0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that A little bit of a late start, but I think that's fine on Saturdays. I don't, I, I, I was thinking about it. I'm assuming getting it out early during the week makes sense because people have jobs and whatnot. And I know some people work on Saturday, but I don't think it's as critically important. Um, but also, um, voice is feeling much better, but I am quite sick. So I took that opportunity to sleep in a little bit. Got up around 5:30 ish, relaxed, drink some coffee, whatnot, and I think I have a voice now that is somewhat serviceable. We'll see how it goes as I talk for long periods of time, but um, I mean, I I, I want to keep it concise, but I don't think that's that's possible. It's Saturday, and I have to talk about this game. It's it's just not going to be concise. There's no way. It's not it's not physically possible. All right, um, so little bit of bad news, at least for me, not for any of you necessarily, probably just more annoyance and aggravation than anything else, but we did uh, go through the Facebook page and we deleted a bunch of videos that we thought Facebook would have found objectionable. We found one video in particular that um, Facebook actually did flag, so we found it, deleted it on top of a bunch of other videos, and uh, we appealed it. We're like, all right, I think we're good now, right? In what felt like about eight seconds, Facebook came back and said, "Nope, we still hate you. Um, and although we could still forge ahead with the page and just, you know, never monetize it, um, I am, as I've told you, a greedy capitalist, and that's not acceptable. So we're forging ahead with a new Packers page. That's right. You have to do something else now. Um, Packernet Podcast Facebook page will still exist, and anytime I decide to put things that uh, Facebook doesn't like, which I feel like I should probably ramp up now since Facebook has annoyed me, uh, I'm just going to put it on that page, but uh, the other one is not going to be that way. So, here's the deal, because I know all of you are just rolling your eyes like, no, I'm not joining another stupid page. All right, sweet and sweeten the deal for you a little bit. Here's how it works. We're giving away two hoodies, right? We're giving away one hoodie this week for the Iron Jock Player of the Game. I will have that up today, a place where you can um, comment on that. Facebook group is, is obviously one of those places. I may just put the other one on the new page just to again sweeten the pot a little bit. I don't know. I you know I make stuff up on the spot. Bear with me. Here's the other one. Here's another way you can win a hoodie. I want you to submit packer material to me. It could be a meme. It can be a picture of your dog, your kids, yourself, It can be a video, but it can't be something that Facebook's going to flag. So I can't, it can't be a video of like a Packer game, because I'm pretty sure that's what got flagged was my breakdowns of, you know, Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff, and obviously the NFL is upset about that and, and whatever. Submit something to me. It will go up on the page, and the person that gets the most interactions, likes, hearts, mad faces... Preferably not mad faces, though. You know, I don't want, like, Packers suck, gets a billion mad faces, and you win. That's not going to, you know, no. But that's it. And um, so that's the second way you can win a hoodie. So submit something to me. I'm going to post it. And then when you find it, obviously you share it around. See what I did there? Pretty crafty, right? And it's simple. Just find something. Unfortunately, though, um, I don't want to duplicate things. So that's that's the one tricky thing. Probably going to get sent duplicates. Got to try to keep on top of that. But that's my fault. That's my problem. We'll deal with that when it comes. So there you go. Um, The new page, I should probably tell you. After about an hour of deliberation, we came up with a name that I already don't like, but we're rolling with it for now. It's Cheeseheads and Packers. We liked it because it sounded like Cheese and Packers, which is why I am now deciding we should just call it Cheese and Packers, except there's already a group called Cheese and Packers, but guess what? I don't really care about the stupid group. It's not my group. It's not my problem. They can deal with it. You can actually find it because I did change the tagline at Cheese and Packers. That is what it's called. I just need uh, JJ to wake up, find my message that says I don't like the new name and see if he's willing to change the logo because Cheeseheads and Packers is a little clunky. But if you search Cheeseheads and Packers or Cheese and Packers and just look for page, you should be able to find it. Right now, it doesn't have a logo up. (laughs) I should just put JJ's up for now. But anyways, um, yeah, be sure to get in there. We're switching over there because Facebook is stupid. A lot of time energy and money put into that other page but that's whatever that's my problem not your problem thank yous for today thank you very much to jacob kincaid as well as free long shot which i don't know what that means but i'm assuming that's somebody that doesn't want me to read their name either way i just want you to know i really appreciate it whoever you are really really appreciate all the uh support it's been above and beyond um not quite enough to call in for monday although i did anyways because i do what i want but i just called in um all right Put for time in I didn't I didn't call in retired that's that's the goal but uh, we only got like 3,000 uh, what 800 and something to go we're getting there we're closing in on her if you would like to support the Packernet podcast and what I do here you can join at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy I am still planning on doing a live stream to patreon I've never done it before but um just be a little bit of a give back because so many people have jumped on recently and uh just feel like I should do something so if you want to be a part of that, I, I, I should probably figure out what some of the perks are. and whatnot. Like, Is there interactive things? Can we do polls, questions, comments section? I really I don't know. I've never done it before. But um, if you want to be a part of that or just support the show, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, you can join for as little as a dollar a month, or I think it's like $10 and something to support for the whole year. Not too bad. It's a little bit for you, but it obviously means a lot for me when you factor in how many people are listening. So... Where, or oh where to even begin? We talked a little bit about Drew Brees already. And um, bottom line is I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I, I still, there's a lot of theories going on, and and you can't put a 100% stamp on anything. For example, we know that the Saints get off to a slow start. That's been their track record for some time now. They drop one early to a team that they shouldn't lose to. So is it possible they won a game. They lost their one game that they're not supposed to. Breeze is off to a slow start, but he's going to get back in the groove of things. And the fact that this is five weeks in a row really has more to do with, you know, because of his age, he kind of dwindled at the end of the season because of, you know, his age. And then this is just a different issue. You know, I mean, he's he's cold and rusty. He needs to get warmed up. You know, it's, again, Brett Favre was a good example. We saw a lot of this stuff with Brett. You know, The body just, it takes some time, it takes some time to get revved up takes, you know, doesn't, doesn't last quite as long, which is a problem long-term in terms of the end of the season. I'm not picking the Saints to win anything because Breeze is going to start breaking down, but that doesn't really answer the question of what Breeze are we going to expect today. Now, that's just one possible theory. The other is he's just completely cooked, and there are some serious issues. You can couple that with the fact that because the deep ball isn't there, and again, people keep saying, well, it's been that way for four, five, six years. I don't think that's true. I think maybe it started last year. I was to another podcast. They said, no, no, he's still got it. He can still throw it. It's like, well, he's only done it once this year. So if you're talking about that one time, fine. I mean, he's one for three, but whatever. But you factor in, it has been five games. I can't remember the last time he started two games in a row this poorly. Also, he's not going to have his, his number one wide receiver. He's ruled out. And so you wonder, Our defense is possibly picking up on, this isn't the same breeze, so we shouldn't be playing them the same way. You look at the, uh, you know, for example, what the Vikings did, completely shutting them down. You got a guy like Zimmer, who's who's a very good defensive mind, if nothing else, with these really good safeties, and just saying, look, kind of kind of similar to what happened with uh, Rodgers several years ago, where the Denver Broncos just kind of figured it out, like this is how you play the Packers, and they came out laid out the 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 game plan. This is how you beat them, and since then it's been a struggle up until we went out and got Ma- Matt Lafleur and changed up how we do things maybe it's just defenses have figured it out and it really just comes down to do you have a good enough defense to execute and a bigger problem for the saints is it's not as though they've gone up against juggernauts i don't believe tampa bay has a top tier defense despite all the talk about well they went out and got guys and all this stuff they still don't have that good of players and the raiders have a terrible defense and one of the 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 other aspects just you know kind of zoomed out macro look at things is the fact that they've had a defense, one of the biggest reasons, because they've had a good offense for a real long time, very similar to the Packers. For a long time, they've had a good offense, just one of the worst defenses ever for like a decade. I mean, as as bad as we complain about the Packers' defenses and not having those those things, I mean, they didn't have even little blips of good defenses. And, you know, when the Packers were, you know, 31st on defense, which was the reason we didn't win a Super Bowl, the Saints were the 32nd team. It's just, it's been brutal, but they finally got a defense. Except the defense is starting off sluggish. So again, it comes down to, well, is this the week that they pick it up? Or is there actual serious fundamental problems with the defense? So I guess that's when we do the zoomed-in look. I kind of want to look at those individually per player to kind of get a, a a bigger view. Because it doesn't make sense to just sit back and speculate. Well, it's been two weeks, yeah, they'll probably pop up. Let's look at the players. Let's see what's different. What's changed? Are there other guys that have been good players for a while that are getting to 31-32? You know, what are the unique circumstances for each player? So why don't we start with offense since we already talked about Breeze. Um, I talked pretty extensively. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it yesterday. I'm not going to talk about it again. Essentially, there are um, seems to be some validity to the idea that he's regressing, especially in terms of his deep ball um, efficiency, I guess would be a good way to put it. In other words, he's just he's not doing as good of a job. Not only are his numbers going down, his attempts seem to be going down. Um, But especially if you look at the stark contrast between uh, his previous PFF grades and those deep areas, because you got to remember, the numbers might not be all that impressive by themselves, but they're much harder throws. So just going based on stats, it's like, how could you possibly get a 91 overall grade when you're like, you know, five of nine for 128 yards, one touchdown, one interception? Like, that's not that good. Well, it is when it's a, you know, we're talking about 30 yard throws on average. But anyways, again, if you want uh, more information on that, look at yesterday's episode, which was pretty clearly in the title about Drew Brees, in part. So starting with the offensive line, it is currently the same offensive line with the exception of right guard Nick Easton. Nick Easton came from Minnesota, so that tells you pretty much everything you need to know about Nick Easton. It is worth noting, first and foremost, um, based on PFF's grades, they had the second highest graded pass blocking unit in the NFL last year which is um, critically important when you look at certain quarterbacks. You know, Obviously, you look at uh, Kirk Cousins has done a fine job, despite, I mean, obviously not recently. He has some bad games. I think he's going to bounce back, but that's a separate conversation. He doesn't necessarily need great blocking. Russell Wilson doesn't need great blocking. But you look at some other quarterbacks that definitely are struggling because they don't really have um, great blocking. I think uh, Goff is, is the prime example. I mentioned how the, the Rams may have a giant bounce-back year, because simply because of the offensive line. I mean, this is a team that is a you know, it's a Shanahan style offense even though they're more spread out and pass, it's still it's still is bred from that Shanahan understanding which starts from build up the offensive line, run the ball and build everything off of that. And so when when McVay got there, the first thing he did was build up the offensive line. You look at last year, there was they were decimated with injuries. Um this year those guys come back, they're off to a great start and Jared Goff looks like I mean, he looks like Jared Goff back when the Rams were good. And so that's that's worth noting. Um, so if we start with Teron Armstead, um, and the, the good thing is he is doing a good job so far this year. So it's not a matter of Teron Armstead has been terrible, and we should expect him to get much better. And unfortunately, that's going to lie. No, he's been fine. Um, he's been a great left tackle for a very long time. And so far through two weeks, he's been the exact same guy he's been since forever. He's 29 years old, so he's still... I don't want to necessarily say in his prime, but as far as offensive tackles go, he is. Uh, he's playing, he's healthy, he's good to go. I mean, he is technically on the injury report, but he's he seems fine. I don't know. He's been limited. Um, so, I mean, it, he's dealing with something. So, I guess I don't want to completely negate the idea that even if he plays, he's playing hurt, but it, I I don't know. I wouldn't bank on that. Then you get into the guards, and the guards are not good. You've got Andres Pete, who is their left guard. Um, he's just not good. He's never really been good. He's only 26 going on 27. He's 6'7", 316 pounds. A guy obviously was expected to be a tackle. You don't draft a 6'7", 316 pound guy. But he can't hang. He's been, for the last three years, a terrible guard. He was a number 13 overall pick at one point in his life and is a massive draft bust. So that's an exploitable part of this offense. You get inside to the center position and you've got Eric McCoy. Eric McCoy had a great rookie year. Um, He was a second round pick. I would say very similar to Elton jenkins Ask He was drafted as a center, plays center, real good rookie year, off to a solid start in year two. I don't expect really any regression. He's a solid football player. Then you get to the right guard spot, and the one interesting thing, not only are they starting Nick Easton in place of Warford, who was there last year, Nick Easton is horrific. They did draft a guy. They, they had basically one real weak spot, at least at the time, and that was left guard. Now they've created, because Warford is gone, an an issue at right guard but the point is they drafted a guard in the first round he is yet to play and it's a question of at what point are they going to cut him loose and that is a man by the name of Mr. Cesar Ruiz I actually had in my mock draft Cesar Ruiz pretty much every mock draft went to the Saints because it just made perfect sense I mean it was a roster that top to bottom was pretty much fine or better uh, with the exception of this one horrific guard spot Uh, Ruiz has played six offensive snaps so far. He's grading out phenomenally. So there must be some kind of issue between the ears with this guy um, in terms of similar to Packers and everybody else, just not understanding what your job is, which obviously is extremely important, right? You got to get the playbook down. You got to know what you're doing, where you're going. And for whatever reason, he's had a little bit of an opportunity to get out there, but not very much. And it is a little bit shocking. I mean, we've we've got some six-round guys going out and playing right now and they can't get their first-round pick to take over for two absolutely horrible offensive guards. But again, he has graded out fine. Um, the only thing he's done so far um, in his six snaps, five times pass blocking, once run blocking. So I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. It, I, I believe it's still considered a game-time decision. I know last week when he didn't play, there was a little bit of surprise in terms of, well, it looks like they're going to sit him again. So we'll see. But either way, we're either getting a really bad guard or we're getting a guy who's getting his first snaps which doesn't mean he's going to be bad but you know there should be some exploitability and you, you, you'll you have a guy like Patton who wants to kind of lean on the mental part of it you know whereas maybe head to head he'll be able to handle his own again he's drafting the first round for a reason you go straight into his chest he can probably hold you off but you start doing stunts and twists and he gets confused as far as who his guy is maybe you can exploit that once or twice then off the right side you've got Mr. Ryan Ramczyk Ramcheck, whatever I've always called him Ramzik because that's what it looks like. Uh, former Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badger was uh, also a first-round pick, so they've invested a lot in this offensive line. Uh, very good football player since day one. Last year, he was graded as the number one offensive tackle in all of football. He's off to another solid start. Not quite that high, but just to give you an idea, I mean, they have great tackle, and they have a very good center, and they may be bringing in another really good guard. So it's, it's a good offensive line. It really is. In terms of specifics as far as how PFF sees it, um, Ryan Ramczyk is an absolutely freakish run blocker. He's fine as a pass blocker. He's not bad at it, but he's much better in the run blocking game. So for perspective last year, 81.7 as a pass blocker, 92.1 as a run blocker. I guarantee that's the number one grade of any tackle. He's an absolute steamroller, which is a problem because we've got a bunch of edge rushers that do a good job getting to the quarterback, but these guys are not great run defenders. I know you saw a highlight of uh, Zadarius once or twice kind of making a good play against a tight end or something, but I'm telling you, these guys are getting worked. They're getting thrown around. They're getting abused in the run game. So despite the couple highlights, for the most part, they're struggling, and this is not going to be an easy matchup. Um, the same is true of Eric McCoy, who so far this year actually uh, has a 73-run blocking grade, 55.8 pass blocking, so he's kind of struggled in that regard a little bit. Um, and then as far as Teron Arms said, he's pretty balanced across the board. So that's the offensive line. It's, it, it is a good offensive line. It's also exploitable. I would expect, um, you know, we, we need a lot from Kenny. I don't know what the status is for him. It seems like he's good to go. It's, he's currently listed as questionable and I don't know if they're going to want to maybe take it easy on him or he's going to see limited snaps or what. By the way, can I just say how absolutely devastated I am by this report? Um, first of all, Elton Jenkins was added with a backslash rib injury, didn't practice Friday as questionable for the game. Josiah DeGuara, who I said I think is going to be a big part of this offense, was upset to see that he was did not practice Thursday, is doubtful for the game, as is Devontae Adams. That's That really bothers me. That's uh, not great. But anyways... Um, you want to see Kenny Clark have a good game, but also you see Zedarius with that quote-unquote rover role, where he basically just roves along the defensive line, picks a spot, whatever spot he wants. Uh, I saw Zedarius said that's called, uh, what did he say, Z-Packers. It's the, it's the actual call for the defense. Basically just means Zedarius roams along the defensive line and picks a spot to go and attacks it. Um, probably going to see Zedarius doing that a lot, attacking these guards. And it, it, it's especially difficult because, you know, the quarterback and the center and all these guys, they call out the alignment based on where everybody is. There's this many defensive linemen, this many linebackers, and so we need to know which guy we've got. And if Zedarius is just pacing back and forth, it's like, uh, left, I mean, right, not, uh, uh, uh. and if he doesn't declare until the last second, they don't know who to block. There's gonna He's he's essentially going to be unblocked. Now, he's got to pick the right spot. If he goes the wrong way and they run around him, that's not great, but that's, that's the benefit of having a guy like Zedarius. Who can just roam along the defensive line? That's probably a big part of the reason why you also saw like the the psycho defense with Dom Capers, where guys are literally just standing around. It looked like they weren't set. They're just kind of not paying attention, and then they just sprint to wherever they're supposed to go when the ball's snapped. Because it, although it's not great for the defense, the offense has no idea what to do. They don't know what defense they're in. They don't know who's coming, who's going. They don't know who's stand, you know, aligned to what side. So I I expect the Packers to want to overwhelm, especially the interior of this offensive line. That's where the weaknesses tend to be. Um, As far as running the ball, everybody understands and knows Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, it's it's worth noting that I would put him in the category of those guys that was a really big name that hasn't been as big of a factor, but everybody still says is one of the elite backs in the NFL. Um, He hasn't been a factor in a very long time. Not saying he's inept, I'm not saying he can't carve us up because everybody can carve us up. Um, he obviously has the ability to be a runner as well as a receiver, so there's that dynamic. But if we just look at his grades, his rookie year, he was a 90.4, best running back in football, absolutely elite, terrified everybody. Next year, he followed up with an 84.1, obviously still dynamic, scary. 2019, 68.9, completely fell off. And it's like, all right, well, that's kind of weird, but I'm sure he'll bounce back. So far, 73.8, which is good. But he hasn't been a factor in a very long time. And if you look at 2019, his last game in which he graded out with a good grade was Week 3 against Seattle. Every one of his grades since then, 66, 65, 59, 66, 63, 68, 60, 43, 59, 60, 61, 55. None of those are good games. Now, to be fair, his last good game technically was last week. And that's probably going to revitalize the whole, we need to worry about Kamara. Because again, we turn off our brains about Kamara. We set that on the shelf and say, this guy's great. Then we turn it back on. We look at that Raiders game. We go, oh, there's Alvin Kamara. He's a freak. It's like, yeah, but you're missing a huge chunk between last week and our our memory of Alvin Kamara being one of the best running backs in football is a whole lot of, this guy's just not all that great. Also, we got to keep in mind, the guy is not a workhorse back. In terms of carries, week one he had 12 attempts, week two he had three attempts. In week one against Tampa Bay, 12 attempts for 16 yards, 1.3 yards per attempt. Last week, 13. For 79 yards, 6.1 yards per attempt. So far, he's 3.8 yards per carry. Obviously, there's a a vast difference between the two, so we'll say that last year his 4.6 is about what you can expect. Now, his receiving seems to be somewhat back in line. That also dipped if you look at his receiving grades 91, 89, 69 in 2019 back up to an 86, but again, it's the exact same situation against Tampa. His receiving grade was a 69, exactly what it was in 2019. Week two against the Raiders, it was 90.3, basically the same as it was in 2017 and 2018. Targeted seven times in week one, nine times in week two, so he's getting a, hand, a hefty amount of targets, nearly as many uh, rushing attempts as he has. He has targets, and with Drew Brees seemingly declining, this is going to be a big factor, and, and you do have to ask the question, who's, who exactly is it that's going to be covering him? Granted, we've got cornerbacks like Jair and Kevin King that, if nothing else, they seem to do a great job just darting into the backfield and lighting people up, but do you want Christian Kirksey? For those of you that are maybe new around here and haven't heard of the news, Christian Kirksey is currently graded as one of the worst linebackers in all of football. Blake Martinez, by the way, is basically, I think he is the number one linebacker in football, but whatever. Just throwing it out there, um, and coverage is one of his worst attributes so far. Now, I expect him to get better because he's not the worst linebacker in football, but I don't expect him to get a lot better, and I'm not exactly putting him up on that tier of, oh yeah, he can shut down Alvin Kamara. No, he can't. So really, it just has to be a good defensive effort. Gotta watch for him coming out of the backfield, somebody's gotta make a play. And to be honest, considering they're down their number one wide receiver, maybe just dedicating a safety to Kamara, um, that might be the best possible scenario in this point in time. I don't know, but... Anyways, with all the hoopla, it's also worth noting that Latavius Murray is still on the team. He gets the second most amount of carries so far in two weeks. He's had 18 carries, 3.4 yards per attempt. Hasn't been all that uh, impactful. There's also Taysom Hill that everybody worries about. He's had four carries this year um, for eight yards. Currently grading out is good, not great. Obviously, you have to worry about him because he's a running back slash receiver slash quarterback. But as far as grades, nobody's really grading out all that well. Taysom Hill with 4.2 yards per carry is, is the top guy, unless you want to consider Deontay Harris with 10 yards per carry, but he's only got two carries, one of which was for 29 yards, so there you go. Um, bottom line is, they're not running all that well, despite having a running uh, an offensive line that is geared toward that. And again, this is not exactly the most dynamic defensive line slash linebacker combinations we've seen these last two weeks. The Raiders defensive line is just not that great. And ultimately, we have a team that doesn't like to commit to the run. They like to pass, 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 pass. They probably should try to run, 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 run a little bit because you have an offensive line that's better at run blocking than pass blocking. You have a declining quarterback. You have an injured wide receiver. You've got talented running backs. Maybe let's run the ball a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if they choose to do that. They need to do that, I think. But will they? I don't know. The fact that you've got Alvin Kamara with 12 and 13 carries, and being the leading running back, it's pretty staggering to me. But we'll see. You know, again, Jair is graded as the top corner in football. Packers really struggle against the run. Maybe they're going to switch it up in a big way. I don't know. As far as um, receiving out of the backfield, Latavius is the next most, but it's it's very rare. He's only had three targets compared to Alvin Kamara's 16, so... Also, let's remember Ty Montgomery's on this team. He's had three target, two receptions, 25 yards. You got... Uh, Taysom Hill, the whole bunch, but really, if, if anybody else other than Alvin Kamara is lined up in the backfield, you're probably running it, with the exception of uh, Taysom, in which case, who knows what, what the heck they're doing with Taysom in the backfield. Just please get that guy down. I'm tired of hearing his name. But that's it. It's pretty straightforward. Alvin Kamara is a good football player, although we got to remember, he's not 2016 Alvin Kamara. This is 2020 Alvin Kamara, who really was a non-factor in 2019. That's who Alvin Kamara is. He's good. He's He's fine. But just keep it in context. And no, I don't want to hear any information. Oh, I thought you said he wasn't good after he carves up the Packers' defense like every running back in football does. Yes, and Adrian Peterson did fine. And Dalvin Cook did fine. Everybody does. So I expect Alvin Kamara to have success. But let's just remember things rightly. That's all I'm saying. Looking at the uh, wide receivers... And I guess we can lump tight ends with this because Jared Cook currently is the number one wide receiver on this team with their actual number one wide receiver out, and that includes Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders uh, currently has four receptions on eight targets for 33 yards and a touchdown. Hasn't been a super big factor so far. We're talking about two receptions per game for, uh, what, 16 yards and a half a touchdown, 8.3 yards per reception, only 2.5 yards after the catch per reception, so he's not much of a factor there thus far at least he does have one drop which isn't great on eight targets Uh, Jared Cook on the other hand is seven of ten he is the most targeted player outside of Alvin Kamara 10 targets as I said 93 yards one touchdown 13.3 yards per reception he also does have a drop in this game but 132.5 passer rating when targeted um, Traquan Smith is actually as targeted as Emmanuel Sanders, but he has six receptions compared to Emmanuel's f- uh, four. He has 90 yards compared to 33. So, shockingly, Traquan Smith is actually probably wide receiver one right now, and Emmanuel Sanders so far has graded out terribly. I've been a big Emmanuel Sanders comp- uh, proponent for a very long time. I thought it was a great decision for uh, Denver to decide to pick him up excuse me, San Francisco to pick him up. He went to San Francisco. He did a fantastic job. Um, and now New Orleans is picking him up. And so far, like a lot of things, it hasn't really panned out all that well. Um, he is 33 and a half years old, so that may just be similar to Drew Brees. He may just be hitting that wall. Um, I mean, if, even for him, similar to Drew Brees, the last time he had a quote-unquote good game was at New Orleans, which probably factors in. I, I You know, I see this a lot. And I like to believe that it doesn't happen, but it it happens so often, I can't help but think that it happens. New Orleans is the best game Emmanuel Sanders played all year last year. It is one of three games in which he was graded uh, at 70 or above. It was his only game where he graded in the 80s. However, he didn't play a single good game after that. Not one, and he hasn't so far this season. And we see that with the Packers all the time. Guys that are really bad, but you look, and they had one really good game against the Packers. I I genuinely want to believe that the pro personnel staff aren't just, you know, guys like Brian Gutekunst aren't sitting in the box watching some guy tear us up and go, wow, it'd be great to have him. And then when they see that he's available, they're like, we got to get that guy. Remember how good he was? Without actually doing their due diligence and and just, I don't know. But anyways, um, fortunately, possibly for all of us, Emmanuel Sanders went off against New Orleans, seven receptions on nine targets for 157 yards and a touchdown. New Orleans says, we got to get that guy. And so they got him, and so far he hasn't done jack squat, which is pretty much what he did every game after New Orleans. So we're looking at Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders as the wide receivers. Traquan Smith is much younger, third-round pick out of UCF. His best year was his rookie year with New Orleans, uh, 30 receptions for 452 yards and five touchdowns. Followed that up last year with uh, 18 receptions, 234 yards, and five touchdowns so far this year. Six receptions, 90 yards, no touchdowns. Of that 90 yards, 86 of those yards came last week against the Raiders. Only f- one reception for four yards against Tampa Bay. So, they're they're in trouble. And again, as much as we keep hearing about all oh, the Packers don't have any wide receivers, would you rather have MVS and Alan Lazard or Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders right now? I mean, maybe if we're talking last year or the year before, I would take Traquan and Emmanuel Sanders. Not this year. I mean our receivers actually look good and are, are helpful. We've got the deep threat guy, the speed guy, Alan Lazard is great at blocking. He's a big bodied receiver using him on jet sweeps and everything else. I mean, what, what a Traquan Smith and Emmanuel Sanders giving to the saints right now. There's a reason Jared cook at 33 years old is their number one receiver. Jared cook, by the way, was phenomenal last year, got off to a real slow start and is also getting off to a slow start again this year. Um, he did have five receptions for 80 yards against Tampa, but it's not ideal. Now, now granted, they've got plenty of weapons to make an offense work. The wide receivers aren't fantastic, but you've got Jared Cook, who attacks you a certain kind of way. You've got Emmanuel Sanders, who attacks you a different kind of way. You've got uh, 6'2", 210-pound, pound, four four nine speed Traquan Smith. And then you got Alvin Kamara out of the backfield on top of Taysom Hill. So there's the concern, I guess, from my perspective would be the fact of The Packers being a really talented team athletically that really is having problems with the mental part of Mike Pettin's scheme. They're just not playing smart football, and you've got the Saints that I think are really going to try to dial up the intellectual portion of their game. They're going to struggle, but at the very least, again, you've got the basic components of many layers of football. Alvin Kamara, talented tight end, and then wide receivers doing what wide receivers do. The benefit of all this is the fact that it does line up with what Mike Pettin likes to do. As I talked about yesterday, which is frustrating for all of us, Mike Pettin seems to view defense simply as, we're going to play as though you're passing, and if you choose to run, that's fine. I'm not interested in stopping you, because you can win a drive or a play running, the, running on the ground. You can't win a game running the ball. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but I, I swear Mike Pettin has it tattooed on him somewhere. It's similar to Dom Capers' Ben Don't Break philosophy. He wants to play nickel. He wants to play pass. He wants to assume you're throwing the ball. And if you choose to run, well, you're probably going to get a good chunk of yard. Best of luck to you. But the Saints don't want to do that. They want to throw. And Pettin wants you to throw. So again, that aspect of it tends to work in our direction. Because Pettin's prepared. Sort of the opposite of what I said New Orleans Saints were doing. When the Saints, or or the Vikings against us, or the Saints against the Raiders, it was, we're assuming you're running and we're going to stop you from running. Pettin is the opposite. You can come out in a run formation, a pass formation. I don't care. I'm assuming you're passing. And if you're not, well, sucks for us. Hopefully our guys can play well enough to stop it, which again is why I've, and I've talked about this before. This is why Mike Pettin put so much emphasis on defensive linemen. Go back to his first year here. I'll say it for the 10th time for those of you that may be new around here. The first year of his defense, the only redeemable aspect of our entire defense was our defensive line with Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark. Everywhere else was a problem. The first guy we bring in for a visit is a defensive lineman, and we're thinking, what the heck are you bringing a defensive lineman And That's the one position we don't need help at. He gets back on his plane, he leaves, and it's like, well, that was weird, but anyways, I wonder who we're going to sign, and within five minutes, they signed Muhammad Wilkerson. Now, he wasn't that impactful, but the fact of the matter is, Mike Pettin wants really good defensive linemen. Why? Because he wants to play pass, 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 pass. Not because he wants to stop the run necessarily, but because he wants to gear his defense towards stopping the pass. And when you choose to run, I want defensive linemen that are basically on an island who are at a disadvantage but can overcome that disadvantage and win against the run. Because if you can play pass, which you need to do in today's NFL, but still stop the run, you're an unstoppable defense. We can't currently do that. But I'm telling you, that's what Mike Petton wants. And depending on what the Packers choose to do going forward... If they're looking at this saying, you know, we just need to get Mike Pett and his guys, which is frustrating because we've gotten him a lot of guys, or decide to go in a new direction, I don't know. But if if the plan is we're going to get Mike Pett and a little bit of help, I, I, I'm i telling you, defensive linemen is where they want to go. Because that man wants some really good... And, and, and the other hard part about it is the reason you need such elite talent along the defensive line is he's, he wants pass-rushing defensive linemen. That's why he doesn't like the Snacks-Harrisons type. He wants guys that can stop the run, yes, like Kenny Clark, but you have to also be able to rush the passer. I don't want guys that are just going to sit there and, and not be able to do that. Now, we have those guys, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying is if you could ask Mike Patton where would you, if I can give you one like elite player that can do everything, where would you put him? He'd get a defensive lineman. Anyways, I think that's it, right? We covered the whole offense, covered all the running backs. Ty Montgomery, he's at one attempt for minus four yards, so things aren't going well for Ty. But anyways, why don't we take a break right here. We'll flip around, look at the defense, and see if we can kind of get a general idea of what's going on in this game. Ladies and gentlemen, as I've said, we're doing the giveaways. And I already laid out how we're doing the giveaways. And I'm very excited to get you guys in these Iron Jock hoodies because oh, mg, these things are amazing. But let me tell you, they don't just have hoodies. And I've already told you, I'm planning on buying some more of their stuff because if their hoodies are this awesome, I'm going to be getting some other stuff. Also, my daughter now is begging. I've got a 14-year-old daughter that felt the quality of the one that I kept for myself and she is begging to get her own. So if you just want to try it out if you don't want to just play these games and wait until the end of the year to see if maybe you get one or maybe you want a shirt and not a hoodie maybe you're looking to get a really nice athletic jacket let me encourage you to go over to IronJock.com. that's i-r-o-n-j-o-c.com to go look at their line of, of material go look and see what they've got go watch the videos in which they explain the scientific process behind the materials the silver ion infused fabric which kills 99.9% of germs and, and fungus and virus that is caused by sweating. And honestly, just go look at how awesome these things look. They look slick. Once again, check out ironjock.com. And once you're done getting all geared up for the game, got your comfy, cozy IronJock stuff on, the only thing left to do is to head over to mybookie.ag. Thank you, by the way, for all of you that have reached out and let me know that you're doing it. I don't need to know. It's not a requirement. I'm just curious. I want to know how how, uh, how interested you guys are in actually doing this. But mybookie.ag is a great place to put down a little bit of cash on the games. Because the <laughs> Packers are still underdogs. And again, there, there's no limit to what you're able to put money on. But the best part about all of this is even if you're just a little bit curious, if you go to mybookie.ag... Put down whatever it is you feel comfortable with just to have a little bit of fun. If you've got a little bit of leftover blow-off cash at the end of the month, go over to mybookie.ag, make an account, put down whatever you feel comfortable with, and and mybookie is going to double your deposit when you use promo code overtime. On top of that, take a screen grab of your new account. Send that photograph over to Overtime at AdvertiseCast.com. That's Overtime at AdvertiseCast.com. And you're going to be entered into a drawing, a giveaway, for $500. That drawing is going to take place at the end of this month. And again, all you have to do is create an account and you're entered to win $500. But you got to do it quick because it's already the 26th and you don't want to miss out on that opportunity. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Well, it looks like JJ already is doing work this morning. He agreed. He was. Apparently, both of us were laying awake last night not liking the name that we agreed to. So that worked out perfectly. The official name of the new Packers Pays page is Cheese and Packers. Don't be confused with the Packers group. That is not our group. We don't already have 6,500 people on the page. I promise you that. But, uh, again, submit to, I don't care how you do it, send it to me on Twitter, send it to me on Facebook, post it in the Facebook page, send it to JJ, send it to Justin. I don't know why you would do that, but Justin's been doing some great work, getting some graphics up and whatnot. I don't care how you do it. But get it to me, we're going to put it up in the page. And again, the one that gets the most interaction, likes, hearts, little care faces, is going to win a free hoodie. So yes, it is a popularity contest. And um, kudos to those of you who have a lot of friends. Hopefully a lot of your friends are Packer fans and want to be a part of the page. Anyways, I uh, will be sharing that in the group also to make life a little bit easier. And I hope that you guys will come over there. The, the, the point of the page also, by the way... Uh, The reason we chose the new name as opposed to just making a new Packernet page is we want it to be more general Packers. In other words, it's it's under the Packernet podcast umbrella, technically, but it's just a Packers page. That's it. So, there you go. Anyways, let's flip over to the defense. Obviously a lot more intricate because there's a lot more moving parts and pieces, but like always, we'll just go line by line here, starting with the interior, the defensive line. Number one guy we need to focus on is Mr. Cam Jordan. Technically, he's an edge rusher, but they're a 4-3 team, so I'll just count it all as defensive line and do it all together. He is uh, he is sort of the man among boys on that team. He is their premier pass rusher. In 2019, Cam Jordan, 84 pressures, 17 sacks. These are PFF sacks. They don't count half, so don't try to fact-check me on that with ESPN. It's not going to be the same number. But that pressure percentage is 13.4%, which puts him in the real good category, right? It's not the 15, 16, 17 like Zedarius last year where he's elite, but these are solid numbers. Very disruptive guy, 59 hurries, 8 hits, again, 17 sacks, so he's a closer. Solid against the run, it's not like he's just a pass rusher that can't stop the run. He's the total package. He did have a terrible tackling grade, which is always hard to reconcile. But they do differentiate the two. I think, you know, run defense is more assignment. It's not getting beat when they're trying to block you out of the way. He doesn't get blocked out of the way. Now, finishing with the tackle, separate conversation. Now, interestingly enough, which, again, most teams are struggling defensively. Nothing is really clicking, which is a benefit for us realizing that, hey, everybody's going to be getting better, which means we should expect the Packers' defense to get better. And If it gets a lot better, we're easily in the Super Bowl conversation so long as the offense doesn't regress, right? The problem is a lot of other defenses were kind of expecting that as well, and the Saints are right in line with that. Their defense, which was really good last year, has been good for a while now. They've done a great job building it up. Real slow start. And that starts with Mr. Cam Jordan, who only has five pressures in 79 attempts. So right off the bat, basic math, 10% of 79 would be about eight, right? He has five, and 10% isn't good. 10% is just you don't really suck a lot. So at five pressures in 79 attempts, Cam Jordan is really, really getting off to a slow start. Pass rush grade is not looking good. Tackle grade is still pretty terrible. His run defense, however, is right where it should be. So he's still got that going for him, but this is, this is what they need to get going. They need some form of pass rush, and as of right now, there's nobody on this team getting it done. He's tied for second with David Anyamada, who is a defensive lineman who has five pressures, one sack in 59 attempts. He has one more sack than Cam Jordan. And he's got the same amount of pressures with 20 less attempts. six foot four, 300 pounds, fourth round uh, pick back in 2016. Currently, however, the number one defensive lineman is Mr. Sheldon Rankin. He has six pressures in 52 attempts, which is above 10%, but not by much. It's 11.5%, which is solid for a defensive lineman. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, we're not... There's only one guy we know that is an elite pass rusher among all pass rushers that happens to be a defensive lineman. And there's there's a couple, but um, for, I think, any general run-of-the-mill defensive tackle, um, 11.5, even Kenny Clark, at sitting at 12% would be pretty standard for him. But um, um, Sheldon is, I'm not overly concerned about him. He did grade out really well in 2018. Otherwise, he's been kind of mediocre. It's almost, if you look at his grades, it's sort of like a, if you envision sort of a pyramid on a timeline. 53 69 78 65 and then currently right now 51 you might wonder how can the best pass rusher on their team be greater out of 51 overall His run defense grade right now is a 41 so he's really struggling in that in that regard so again i just want to keep this in perspective because as packer fans we tend to hyper focus on our team when we look at it and say we have the worst run defense in all of football and everything's the worst and this we're never going to win anything because our defense is terrible and other people are struggling, man. The Saints have to look at this defense and they're like, dude, Sheldon is playing like garbage. Nobody can stop the run. Nobody can do anything. Cam isn't even a factor on this team. It's frustrating. But as much as I want to give them credit and say, look, Sheldon's going to get better against the run. Cam's going to pick it up against as, as a pass rusher, hopefully not against us, but we'll see. we got to give our defense that same level of credit. So yeah, Sheldon is uh, struggling. Um, as far as... I guess looking at snap counts in terms of like who their legit starters are, Cam Jordan is getting the most amount of opportunities. David Anya on- or yeah, David Anyamada and Sheldon Rankin's are one and two. Anyamada um, better than Sheldon Rankin's but still not doing a good job stopping the run. That's that's all Cam Jordan at this point. And then on the other side off the edge, although it's a pretty solid rotation, the the number 1 guy is Trey Hendrickson who again, more of a run defender, not much of a pass rusher. So th- this is a 4-3 defensive line that has some real big boys off the edge, but Trey Hendrickson in 54 pass rush attempts has four pressures. He does have two sacks, so you look at it and go, oh, and and that's one of the things to pay attention to, too. You're going to hear a lot of people talk about, you got to watch out for Trey, man. He's got two sacks already on the season in two games, same as Zadarius, he's off to a great start. Well, he has four pressures, dude. F- nobody has 50% of their pressures converted as sacks nobody in the history of football i guarantee you has ever done that ever 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 that's not going to stay that way and even so four pressures on 54 attempts is not good he's not doing a great job as a pass rusher it just so happens that on the very 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 rare occasion he got near the quarterback this year he happened to bring the guy down completely the other guy that's getting a healthy rotation is mr margus hunt um, he is also two pressures on 30 attempts, well below uh, the 10% mark, which is terrible. Not doing great as a run defender. They've also got Carl Granderson off the edge rot- rotated in, horrific against the run. The only guy so far beyond uh, beyond Rankins that's above 10% four pressures on 32 attempts. So I think that's what you're getting into. And I mean, if you want to analyze this game, try to keep that in mind when you're when our offense is out and their defense is out, which guys are out there. And What the goal is, right? So, Carl Granderson's probably the guy they're going to bring out in third and 12 or whatever, right? You got Cam Jordan, who, even though he's off to a slow start, clearly is that guy. And then, Carl Granderson is you're sacrificing some run defensibility, but he's a pure pass rusher, right? Six foot five, 261 pounds. He's just going to fire off the edge and go get after it. Only other guy to really pay attention to would be Mr. Uh, Malcolm Brown. Doesn't get nearly as many opportunities, but he is seen as a starting defensive lineman if you look at, for example, their depth chart. Cam Jordan, Sheldon Rankins, actually it's David Anyamana now, Malcolm Brown, and then Marcus Davenport, who we'll talk about immediately after this. Malcolm Brown is their 320-pound nose tackle. He's not going to be out there every snap, but on clear run defense downs, maybe first and ten kind of situations, um, he's he's the run stopper. He's not elite, but he's good at what he does. Serves one purpose, and that's to make sure he's clogging things up. Now, that brings us to Mr. Marcus Davenport. Um, He did not practice on Wednesday. He was limited Thursday, Friday, listed as questionable, which leads me to believe he's going to be playing. I don't know for sure, but if he does come back, this would be his uh, first game. As much as Marcus did struggle in his rookie year, he clearly got much better. He started off as a decent run defender. He got better at that started off as a pretty poor pass rusher. He got clearly better at that. Last year ended with 51 pressures on 355 attempts, meaning he got to the quarterback 14.4% of the time. That's really good. It's also entirely possible that with Cam or excuse me, with Marcus Davenport out that has hurt Cam Jordan. Not that it explains it away entirely because he should still be better than he is, but there's no question without Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan is the only guy you got to worry about along that defensive line. With Marcus Davenport back, that is no longer the case. Um, he did only have six sacks last year, which is probably why you didn't hear his name, because again, most of the the guys that you hear about are going to be the ones you look up the sack numbers, and he didn't rank very high, so and nobody cared. However, again, as far as pressures are concerned, the amount of time he beat the guy in front of him and got to the quarterback, he was better than Cam Jordan last year. So he's absolutely every bit as much of a threat. But again, everybody's really, really been struggling Defensively to get going. So, if Davenport does play, is he going to be one of the few very rare exceptions that comes in day one and just lights it up? I don't know. Seems unlikely, but he's still somebody to be concerned about. Moving on to linebacker, uh, they did lose out on Mr. A.J. Klein. He left and went to the Buffalo Bills. Not a very good football player, so it's not that big of a loss for them. But their number one linebacker out of the three is Mr. DeMario Davis. Uh, is going on 32 years old. He was one of the better linebackers in the NFL last year. Had It's one of those really weird situations where the guy was no good for five years. Played for the Jets for four years, was terrible. Played for Cleveland for a year, was terrible. Went back to the Jets. Actually played really, really well, especially against the run. Then he goes to New Orleans, plays really well again. Then he spends another year in New Orleans, and out of nowhere, one of the better run defenders, elite tackler, great pass rusher. He had 30 pressures last year on 176 attempts, and he had an 88 overall grade in coverage. It just like, where did this come from? But he's getting off to a really slow start so far this year. Uh, two pressures on 23 attempts, which usually with linebackers and safeties, the numbers are a lot higher. I don't have a number because I don't look at it enough, but I don't think the 10%, 15% stuff quite measures up because those guys tend to get home a lot more often. Because they're unaccounted for and sometimes they're a lot more unblocked. So when they're rarely come, that's usually a much higher percentage. But being below 10% as a linebacker is pretty terrible. He's currently got 11 tackles, 2 missed tackles. 4 of his 11 tackles were considered stops, which is a negative play for the offense. He was targeted 8 times through the air. 8 of them were caught for 70 yard, And he's already given up 2 touchdowns through the air. So not super fantastic, although he does have one pass breakup, but definitely struggling. Um, He's looking a lot more like his 2012 through 2016 version of DeMario Davis than the uh, 2017 to 2019 DeMario Davis, which is always a confusing thing. Why so late in your career do you really start to figure it out? Maybe it is just a mental thing, something clicked. I don't know. But at the same time, again where he's creeping up on 32 years old, which is uh, maybe starting to wear on him a bit. Also, I suppose you're talking Tampa Bay and the Raiders, which do have some pretty solid, talented tight ends that can attack through the air, as well as, at least as far as the Raiders, some really good running back play. So maybe that plays into it. I don't know. The Packers obviously don't have very good, talented tight ends. Although I was excited about Josiah coming back. He's not going to be playing, so I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, again. Hopefully, we don't see a resurgent Demario Davis. But everything's a giant question mark right now. But I think Demario Davis, especially because he was a terrible linebacker, had a few years as a really good linebacker, and now he's, you know, 32 years old almost and not doing well. Uh, after that, you got Alex Anzalone. Been there for quite a while. Uh, he had a pretty good game against the Raiders, at least according to this, but uh, it's one of those kind of fluky things because he's just not really good at anything as a linebacker, never really has been. He was the third-round pick out of Florida back in 2017. I mean, I suppose anybody can have a resurgent point at any point because, again, look at Demario Davis, but I don't expect a ton out of him. Right now, Alex Anzalone is the um, middle linebacker. Demario Davis is the weak side linebacker, so that's going to be the guy that... Which, again, is weird because he's not super small. He's not really... I guess he's kind of fast. He ran on the 4.6s, but at 32, who knows? He's going to be the guy that flows around and, and cleans everything up. And then your strong side linebacker uh, is going to be Caden Ellis, but he's hardly played at all. So generally, this is a team that's going to be utilizing their uh, their two linebackers uh, when they're in nickel, which obviously is a lot of the time. So really, it's they, they don't have very good linebackers, but be on alert for... Uh, mr demario to have a big day anybody on any day can have you know a good game so you never really know but i don't really anticipate the linebackers being all that impactful anyways that brings us to their cornerbacks, which is again the dbs in general are um confusing at best and i hate that i'm not giving more concrete answers but there's just so many question mark guys that let's say for example let's start with marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore was taken in 2017 as a rookie, was one of the better corners in football, and it was just, it was not even that surprising. It was a stacked cornerback group. It was the same year we got Kevin King, who was, you know, probably in a different year. He's a first-round pick. That year, he went second round. But Marshawn Lattimore was the first in that group, comes out elite. Only 53% of the time when he was targeted... 43 of 80 times did somebody catch the ball in large part because five of those times he had a pick, 13 of those times he had a pass breakup. 18 times he disrupted the pass. He only gave up uh, 583 yards, allowed zero touchdown. I mean, just, just dominant. The next year, he went backwards a little bit. He had an 86 overall grade, 2017, 2018, 77. His coverage grade went from an 87 down to a 75, but still fine. Only 64% of the passes caught, 54 out of 84. He still had 6 pass breakups, 5 interceptions, 85.5 pass rating when targeted. Not quite as good, but still good. 2019, his overall grade went from a 77 down to a 65, coverage grade from a 75 down to a 65. He gave up 3 touchdowns, had 1 interception, still had 10 pass breakups, which is a lot. His NFL passer rating went from a 51 to an 85 to an 89. His grades went from an 86 to a 77 down to a 65. So far this year, he's starting off with a 51 overall grade, 141.7 passer rating when targeted. He's given up 75% of the times he's been targeted, uh, have been receptions, 6 out of 8, for 72 yards. He's already given up one touchdown. The most he's given up in a year is three. He's given up one through two games. He has no interceptions and zero pass breakups so far this season. Again, you kind of expect him to pick it back up, but back up to what? to his rookie year, to his sophomore year, to his junior year? Is he going to continue to get worse? Did he finally bottom out in 2019 and he's going to return back to normal? Is is he just figured out? Is he broken down? Does he not care anymore? I don't know what's going on with Marshawn Lattimore. I have no idea. Why should I continue to believe he's not going to continue to get worse? I don't know what's going on with the guy. Coverage grades, including this year, 87, 75, 65, 48. I don't expect him to stay that bad, but I don't know what to tell you. Should I say he's a really good corner that had a rough year last year and is off to a slow start? Is he a garbage corner? I I don't know what he is. I know he's extremely talented athletically. I know he has all the tools. 6 foot 192 ran a 4.36 out of Ohio State. Great cornerback school. There's going to be more coming out next year just like there was last year and the year before and the year before. I mean, he, Ohio State is becoming dbu at this point unlike washington and some of the other places you get some great dbs out of ohio state's starting to churn out a ton of great corners but i don't know what the problem is with marshawn Lattimore here the number one cornerback at this point the guy that gets the most snaps is mr janoris jenkins janoris ain't even that good i mean he's he's 32 years old again i'm rounding up if you google it he's 31 but it's 31.9 years old He's off to a hot start, but I don't expect that to stay. He's got a current uh, grade of 78.981 coverage grade, probably because he already has a pick on the season. 61.2 pass rating when targeted again, because he has a pick on the season, but he's given up 10 receptions for 127 yards so far. His, his average grade, pretty much every year with the exception of one year in 2016 with the Giants, his, on average, very consistently, if we remove that grade, 64, 66, 71, 72, 68, 68, 69. He's a 68 overall. That's what he is. He's starting at a 78. In other words, he's slightly overperforming. And the only reason is because of his one game against Tampa Bay in which he had his one pick. Guess what his grade was against the Raiders? 68. That's what he is. He's very consistent. He's decent. He's fine. He's a veteran guy. Kind of makes you think about Tremont a little bit, but not quite as good. right? He's just a solid, steady, does his job. Not extremely well, but good enough. So I don't, I don't know. Do they have two solid corners? Do they have a decent corner and a really good corner? Do they have two bad corners? I don't really know where we fall on that. Kind of depends on the day, I guess. The good news is there's nobody that I can point to on this entire defense right now and say, we got to watch out for that guy. Seriously, he's going to give us problems. I did it with the Vikings. we got to watch out for their safety. Now, the safety's had terrible days because it's 2020 and defenses don't know how to play football yet. But I could point at the safeties and say those guys are elite. Trey Flowers for Detroit, I can look at that guy and say, no, seriously, the guy's good. I just, there's nobody, based on, on whatever, one piece of information or another, that I can say 100,000% watch out for this guy. I want to say it for Cam Jordan, but he hasn't done jack this year. So I don't really know. Then we get to the safeties. And actually, there's also Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Uh, who's actually been playing more? He's he's designated right now as a corner. He is one of their safeties, but he's a hybrid guy. So I'm I'm gonna lump him in with the safeties, although he is currently designated right now um, as a cornerback. But uh, Marcus Williams right now he is currently their number one safety. He's got uh, out of 150 snaps, only three guys have played every snap: Marcus Williams, Demario Davis, and Malcolm Jenkins, the other safety. Malcolm Jenkins. Um, Real solid safety for Philadelphia for a long time. I mean, you look at, he he played for the New Orleans Saints for a long time and was trash. He went over to Philadelphia and instantly was just a great safety. And he was great from 2014 all the way to 2018. 2019 was the first time he started to see a little bit of regression. 2020, the Saints bring him back. Right? He was a Saint for five years. He went over to Philly, was great. And they're like, all right, give, give him back. We want him back now. Now that he, we know what he, you know, fine, you fixed him. We're bringing him back. Not been a great start. Now, granted, against Tampa Bay, he is a strong safety, by the way. Against Tampa Bay, another first-round pick out of Ohio State, he was great. Against the Raiders, though, he got chewed up. Five uh, receptions on six targets for 60 yards, including giving up a 35-yard pass. Uh, He had six tackles. He had one missed tackle in that game, so his run defense grade was terrible. His tackling was not good. Uh, Pass rush, he didn't do much. He rushed 13 times, only got home twice. And then his coverage grade was a forty nine point eight. I mean the guy's he's he's thirty two going on thirty three, he's thirty two point seven years old. So I you know, I think I think the decline started in twenty nineteen with Philly. Philly dumped him. New Orleans is like, Well let's bring him back and I mean he's he's clearly got a little bit left in the tank. Again, he had a good game against Tampa. But if if the Vikings safeties couldn't do anything, and and even the Lions safeties who have decent enough safeties, if they weren't much of a factor against this Packers offense, I don't know what 32.7-year-old Malcolm Jenkins has to offer. Not saying he's a non-factor, but it's just, I don't think you're as worried about him as you were maybe back in 2015 when he was an Eagle. Then you got the much younger Marcus Williams, who is very talented. Um, At least he was last year. In coverage last year, Marcus Williams uh, only allowed 50% uh, reception percentage, 12 of 24 for 139 yards. He allowed one touchdown but had four interceptions and six pass breakups. 42.2 passer rating when targeted. He's off to a decent start but not an elite start, and it's it's another one of those weird things where as a rookie, elite. Then in his second year, good. Then in his junior year, elite. So far this year, good. And clearly you can tell just by looking game to game, which makes sense when you look at his grades in general, very up and down. 70, 60, 80, 80, 70, 80, 60, 70, 90, 60, 60, 80, 40, 60, 20, 70. So he's got got good games and bad games, more good than bad. That's true of most players. 2018 was just the opposite. He had good games, most were bad. So far this year, he's had two mediocre, decent games. So... As has been the, the case with all of the Saints so far, I don't know exactly what you're getting. On the offense, I know what you're getting from at least two of their tackles. Other than that, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what version of Alvin Kamara and how much of a factor he's going to be and how much of a mismatch he's going to be for our particular defense. I don't know what version of Drew Brees we're getting. I don't know what version of Emmanuel Sanders we're getting. If he's just old and washed up or if we're going to get some, some high-performance Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know what we're getting from the guards. I'm not sure which version of the center we're getting. I'm not sure what version of Jared Cook we're getting. Are we getting this 32-year-old washed-up tight end, or is this going to be a real, you know, solid, scary Jared Cook? I don't know what version of the pass rushers, defensive tackles, corners, linebackers, safeties. Bottom line, from top to bottom, this team has the potential. When everybody plays up to their potential to be the best team in football, hands down, most well-rounded elite roster that you're going to find. However, there has been, this has been one of the lowest performing teams for quite a while now. And for some of it, it makes a lot of sense. And In fact, for all of it, it makes sense. It's just a matter of when and if they're going to turn it around. Some of these guys like Drew Brees, like Jenkins, like Demario Davis, they may not turn it around because they may have just gotten too old. For other guys, maybe there are other concerns. Maybe they have lingering injuries. Maybe we just overrated them. Maybe Marshawn Lattimore is not going to turn it around. And he's just a bad corner or or a subpar slash mediocre, whatever you want to call him, corner. But it's so hard to project what's going to happen in this game because they're the kind of team that maybe maybe they may... You could tell me today they're going to miss the playoffs and I still wouldn't know what version we're getting. It's kind of like the Lions in that way. If they turn on the Jets, they got the firepower to really do some damage. But at the current level of play that we've seen the last couple weeks, the Packers are just going to trounce this team, and it's not going to be that hard. So we'll have to see how it plays out. As of right now, New Orleans has been leaning on the pass quite a, or excuse me, on the run quite a bit more than you would expect from the New Orleans Saints. But I don't know if they exactly have what it takes. Right? If if the Vikings can't execute that, I don't know if the Saints can execute that. I don't know if they have what it takes to say we're going to run, 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 and then then kind of beat you with the pass after we open things up. Because Pettine's never going to take the bait. He's going to say, "Ah, oh, cool, nice run. All right, guys, go stop the pass." He's not going to change it up. And what's going to happen, again, it's an opportunistic defense. One of these times, the defense is going to make a play. So even though we're playing pass on first and ten, we're going to stop you. Now it's second and ten. What are you going to do? you Are really going to run again? No, you're going to open it up and pass. And we're going to come hunt, and we're going to take you out. And even if you get off to a ha- hot start, this is what the Packers have done through two weeks, and it's what, what they're going to continue to do. They're, they're a team that doesn't panic, which is a sign of a really well-coached team, by the way. They're not going to panic. They're going to keep coming after you. The defense is just going to keep coming. You're gonna drive down the down the field and get a touchdown. Alright, that sucks. What do we learn? How do we do better? And they're just gonna pick their spot. And it's gonna be that one sack, that one pick that turns the tide. And as long as the offense keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming, again, that's the problem with running too much. At some point you you gotta attack because it's just it's too much of an opportunistic defense. You can't run your way all the way down the field. You're gonna to have to throw the ball. And when you do, you got Zadarius, you got Rashawn, you got Jair. They're getting their hands on him. Getting their hands on the football, making plays. We got a pick. We got a pick six. We got multiple sacks. We got plenty of pressures. We're getting Kenny Clark back. They're going to be picking on Breeze 100%. And he's a smart quarterback. He's a talented guy. But if he's having problems with his arm, we've already seen both of our picks came when Rashawn Gary was right in somebody's face and they threw an ill, ill, ill timed, ill advised throw with too much pressure and hung in the air just a little bit too long. And our guys made a play. And it was just a, a handful of decent enough plays from our defense that made all the difference and turned what looked like basically our defense getting throttled into a game where at the end of it, you look at it and go, the Packers just stomped you. Why? Because the offense just keeps coming and the defense just picks their spots. And so even if the, the, the Saints do come back, and part of me kind of hopes that they do, not because I'm, I'm I mean, look, I'll, I'll take a victory. I'll, I'll take a washed up, beat up Saints team and we put up 42 to 7. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. But part of me really wants to see strength against strength. I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of hearing about how the Packers can't beat bad teams, and I don't want to have another week of listening to, yeah, well, if this, if this was the 2019 Saints, you would have got whooped on. The Saints look like garbage. They still put up a bunch of points on you, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear it. I want to see Drew Brees at his best. Go ahead and bring your best out there. We don't have Devontae. You don't have your guy. Fine. Even Steven. Bring your best. Give, give it your all. I'm tired of hearing about it. I want the best defensive performance we can possibly see from the Saints and Aaron Rodgers to still pick them apart. Without Devonte, Because I think they can do it. If I didn't think they could do it, I wouldn't say that. And I know it's a high risk thing and unfortunately my words have no bearing on what's actually happening. But I, I genuinely believe this is a very good team and I really want as much as it shouldn't matter, I just I want everyone to stop being able to say what they're saying. Even though I know they're wrong and it doesn't I just I, I want it to stop. They're not getting the respect they deserve. This is the best team in the NFC right now. They're playing like it, they look exactly like it. There's only a handful of guys that have two sacks in the NFL. Rashawn and Sidarius are two of them. Number one corner in football is Jair. Number one quarterback in football is Aaron Rodgers. Number one running back in football, you could argue, is Aaron Jones. Not necessarily PFF grade, but he's tearing up the NFL. And we can't get any respect. Oh, it's because the Lions aren't good. No, it's not. They haven't been good in decades, and we've never put up these kind of numbers. We never beat teams that put up 30-some points on us like the Vikings did. We still overcame that. This is a different team, and they need to start getting that level of respect. And going to New Orleans and beating the Saints right then and there is going to make all the difference. The negative aspect about that is if they go to New Orleans and lose, we start all over again. And the same kind of off-season nonsense that we heard about the Packers are washed up, it starts all over again, and everybody jumps in with both feet. See, I knew it. I go up against a good team, and it's not even that good. They're struggling, and they can't even beat a washed-up Drew Brees. This is not a good Packers team. Blah blah blah. blah. I, I just I'm ready to see an annihilation. I got nothing against the Saints. I I kind of like the Saints. I think Drew's a good guy. It's a good team. It's a historic team. I've always felt like the Patriots and the or the uh, the Steelers and the Saints have kind of been a parallel team. To the Packers for a long time these really good teams these historic kind of franchises that have been good for decades that don't quite have the Super Bowls that they deserve they're always kind of right there as a first tier second tier kind of team you've got Breeze Big Ben Aaron Rodgers they've all been really good quarterbacks long time coaching guy you know McCarthy and whatever the other two guys names are I'm blanking right now it's been a long podcast and so I, I got nothing against the Saints and if the Packers chose not to play football this year I maybe I'd root for the Saints. You know, let's give him one and then send Breeze off on his merry old way. But I want to see him get hurt. Not physically, I just I want them to be brutalized. I want it to be 42-7. I want to, to see these people squirm and try to find a way to make it that the Packers aren't as good as they are when they know there's no possible way you can excuse that away. The fact that Devontae is hurt is only going to help us if we win. Because if Devontae plays and, and Michael Thomas doesn't, it's just another reason for an excuse. You know what? No excuses. Two NFC powerhouse teams are facing off. May the best team win. No excuses allowed in this game. I don't want to hear it from anybody. It is what it is. I'm ready for it. Might not win the game. I don't know. Might win, might lose. But this is what we're here for. It's not just to beat up on the Bears and the Lions and the Vikings. It's it's to be a Super Bowl contender. And if we're going to be a team that can go to the playoffs and win in the playoffs and beat the Saints and beat the Rams and go to the, the Super Bowl and beat the Chiefs or the uh, or the Baltimore Ravens, this is a blip. This is the first real test to say, are you a legitimate playoff team, or are you an opportunistic team that picks on the little guy? And week three does not all encompass anything, but it's a good first little test. And I'm ready for it. I'm excited about it. I bought a steak. I'm all in, man. We're doing it up. But anyways, I suppose I should let you go. Again, please, Cheese and Packers is officially the new name of the the page, so please go uh, like that. What do you do? Follow it? You don't think you subscribe to it. I don't know. I'm so used to saying like and subscribe because of my YouTube videos. And again, remember, submit something, anything Packers related. And the person with the most likes, let's say the most likes by the, I don't know, by Monday or something. I'll come up with an official timeline, but let's call it Monday. Uh, We'll win an Iron Jock hoodie. $70 value. These things are amazing. You're going to want to be a part of it. If all you have to do is submit something and then share it to all your friends and family for the opportunity to win it. Um... It's going to be worth it for you, I promise. But you folks have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.